Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. One minute at a time. And we are on a big minute this week. It may not seem like a big minute when you're watching the movie, but there is a lot going on, and we can't wait to get into it here on minute number... 93. We have a lot of familiar faces showing back up again. A lot of characters, a lot of locations. I can't wait to talk about it, can you? I can't. So how about we just dive right in? We pick right up where we left off last week. It's the outside of the BZ Toy Co. It's nighttime still. Have we determined how long it takes to get from BZ's townhouse to the toy factory? Isn't it about a one-hour drive? Yes. Well, based on <laughs> the context clues and me assuming the, t- the warehouse location. Which is about as good as any, any yeah. clues. <laughs> from what I guessed, it would be about an hour. It probably wouldn't take an hour uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's true. So... Because I believe that if you had, like, no traffic, it was only, like, uh, 20 to 30 minutes. But New York traffic makes it, like, an hour. Good point, yeah. So, at 3 in the morning, if there isn't, you know, bumper to bumper everywhere, it could only be a 20-minute drive. So, not not bad, not bad. Let's say Mm -hmm. Towser showed up at 3 a.m., maybe about 3.30, maybe Mm 4 o'clock at the latest right now in movie timeline. It would make sense that it was still dark outside, as we see in this shot. The guard is standing outside the gate. The gate rises, and Grizzard and the limo come driving right in. And now I have stuff from the book. Okay. That happens right at, at this time. So, uh, Patch is laying in his bed, sleeping. As Patch drifted into dreamland... BZ's long black limousine pulled up before the factory like a cruising shark. Grizzard hauled Joe, battered, dazed, and half-frozen, out of its trunk and stuffed a gag into his mouth, tying it firmly in place. Now, we have, we have said earlier that in the book, Grizzard put him in the trunk, but in the movie, he just put him in to the car yeah that may have been too intense for the actual film in the film version he just stuffs joe into the passenger seat through the driver's side door so then he dragged the sick shivering boy into the cavernous darkness of the factory building as he passed the patchmobile his utterly helpless captive firmly in his grasp he heard what sounded like faint snoring. He glanced at the car in vague curiosity. Patch, sound asleep within it, heard nothing at all. So Grizzard hauled Joe past sleeping Patch to get him into this room that Grizzard locked Joe into, unknown to him that that's where Patch was storing his magic dust. I can I can understand why they kind of had to change that around on the movie because it wouldn't have made sense the way Patch fell asleep last minute. Right. With his head peeking out of that door cover in the back right. of his car. Like, there's no uh, way 
Grizzard been able to drag a kicking and screaming Joe past him without waking him up, considering he'd only fallen asleep like mere minutes, mere seconds before yeah. this happens. So yeah. anyway, what we do see, we do a abrupt cut from the limo driving through the guard shack gates to a shot of Grizzard. He's like obscured a bit by this big boiler. He's in a boiler room of some sort. And it's revealed that he is, he's tying Joe's hands up to a pipe. Like you said, he do, Joe does have a gag in his mouth. So mm-hmm. while Grizzard is saying the next line, you also hear Joe going, Listen, kid, you want to die on me when I'm gone? Be my guest. He is done listening to Joe going, Joe was probably kicking at him in the passenger seat the whole way there. I know. It must have been a long ride for Grizzard. <laughs> not that I feel bad for him or anything, but... Uh... You're not the first kid I've had to tie up in a boiler <laughs> room for my boss. I'm used to this. You're not the first kid I've had to park on ice. <laughs> Joe is bound and gag, and his yells are muffled the whole time. Grizzard walks away while Joe is struggling to escape and still... His muffled yelling is going on. We start to hear a voiceover from Cornelia. It begins during this shot, and then it continues to the next shot, which is daylight, a close-up of an envelope on a desk that is addressed to Santa Claus North Pole, and the words on the envelope read... Emergency. Open immediately. And what we're hearing Cornelia say is... Dear Santa, you've got to help. Joe's been taken prisoner by a very bad man. I'm sorry to say he's a relation of mine. Midway through this, we do hear a knock at the door. The door opens, and it's Miss Tucker. She enters, interrupting Cornelia's letter writing. Cornelia, what are you doing? You're ten minutes late for breakfast. So it is daylight now, if I hadn't said that already. Cornelia is now fully dressed. Mm Mm-hmm. So after she went upstairs, when... Uh, Towser and Beezy went into the study to now. What do you think she did? She, did she go back to sleep? Does the book well, does the book shine any light on that? She's <laughs> had enough time to get dressed, like cleaned up, dressed. She's like, oh, my friend's in trouble. Uh, well, I guess she has to lay down for a couple of hours. Cornelia got up. She had lain awake for hours last night, thinking about all she had heard downstairs and worrying about Joe. At last... Knowing that she could do nothing more until morning without her uncle growing suspicious, she had fallen into an exhausted slumber. Now, with the new day's sunlight bright beyond her window, she knew exactly what she must do. She ran across the bedroom to her writing desk and took out pen and paper. She sat down and began to scribble the words she had composed last night as quickly as her hand would form letters. And that's the letter that you just read, or she just read to us, I should say. And uh, and then it goes right into the movie part with Miss Tucker coming in and everything. Now, there is a bit more of the letter that we don't hear spoken during Cornelia's voiceover. But in an upcoming minute, we do see written on the note after she had said... I'm sorry to say he's a relation of mine. We're not going to reveal what that is now, but I just want to say it's really cold of Cornelia. I, I know what it says. It's in the book. But we're not going to reveal it now. But I won't it say we're, it. We're not going to say it now. 
Not gonna say it now. I don't know why you think it's very cold of Cornelia. We'll talk about it in the next minute, but okay. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I think it's cold of Cornelia. I don't think so. This goes right back to your spinoff. And you are going, you are, you are putting these little seeds into our listeners' ears for your little spinoff to make it work. So don't listen to him, everyone. Okay. Don't do it. Don't fall for him. Well, anyway, we, we'll leave that. We'll leave that where it is. <laughs> yeah. So she scurried upstairs. I guess you're just gathering her thoughts. She must have been thinking like a mile a minute. Just sitting at her desk writing a letter. I doubt BZ would have heard anything. No. She was getting her words in order. She's getting it written down. Like, oh, this is an emergency. And and honestly, it it couldn't have been too long, right? What time do you think breakfast would be served at a hoity-toity place like this that she's going to go to school at? Probably 7 o'clock. Okay, so it was 3 a.m. when they brought Joe away. So it's only been four hours, and she had to have gotten dressed. She looks like she's clean, so she must have taken a shower. And and there's no, like, she doesn't have any direct hotline to Santa. Right. No, she can't send him a text message. There is a clock on her mantle. I wonder if we can see what time it is. It looks like it might. Okay, so it looks like this clock is reading 8.10. Oh, wow. She she let a lot of time go by. Yeah. So I would, I, yeah, I think I probably would have written this letter earlier than 810. But she's probably exhausted. Now, does she even finish this letter? Does no. she even sign it or anything? She does fold it up and put it in the envelope and like, ooh, breakfast, and exits the room. <laughs> no, it isn't an ooh, breakfast. <laughs> According to the book, she doesn't sign it, but she had to leave because Miss Tucker, in the book, she said, Cornelia, Miss Tucker said sharply, what are you doing? You're 10 minutes late for breakfast. And Cornelia mutely nodded and turned away from her letter so that she doesn't look suspicious. She says, I'm coming, I'm coming. So she just uh, folded it quickly and put it in the in the envelope so that she could go down to breakfast so that miss tucker didn't ask any questions which doesn't make any sense either because you would think that wouldn't miss tucker be able to help or would miss tucker be like your imagination is getting out of control young lady you know like that kind of thing like, i don't i don't know maybe she's afraid to tell miss tucker because miss tucker works for the bz <laughs> so she leaves the letter on the desk the unfinished letter that we've just confirmed mm-hmm. and exits the room the camera zooms in on that letter and we see the magical north wind which yep. you know just to refresh everyone's memory this is the north wind that magically transports the letters to santa but this north wind must have censored something urgent about this letter because here we mm-hmm. are what do you say first week second week of january let me, let me, I'm speaking as the wind. Let me get this letter to Santa, even though the kid hasn't even signed it yet. ASAP. It's an emergency. 
Well, the north wind could tell it said emergency open immediately on it. And conveniently, Cornelia's room has a fireplace in it. <laughs> so the wind can so the wind can blow the letter up the chimney and it's off yep. on its way to the North Pole. So before we leave Cornelia's bedroom, we get a great look at Cornelia's bedroom and get some clues of Cornelia's interests, possible backstory, all sorts of interesting details, including one of the biggest mysteries of this movie (laughs) that Ben and I have spent, I don't know how long, trying to figure out. So where do we begin? Where do we begin? Let's start with her desk. Okay. So it looks like Cornelia has a 100% white wicker bedroom set her writing desk her uh dresser that holds uh, some of her toys in the right hand side of the screen and then when you when you get the other version of her where you see miss tucker coming in you can also see another table with a mirror all of these are all parts of a white wicker furniture set so her whole bedroom matches perfectly she has posters of animals stuck to the front of her desk like being held up with stickers like a little girl at this time period would do one is of a baby seal one is of a lion cub and one is of a grizzly bear yes cornelia's room must be huge because she has these four big windows with drapes behind her yeah she has a very big like bay window tower type thing Yes, but these would not be the windows that she was looking at and letting Joe in earlier through. No. That that window is along the wall that has her dresser with her My Little Pony on it. Yes, Cornelia does have an actual Hasbro-produced My Little Pony on her dresser. And we can even tell what pony it is, thanks to the miracle of the high-definition version. Ben, what pony is it? Blue pony with a rainbow mane named moonstone and moonstone was part of the my little pony set for a long time because they have baby versions of moonstone and adult versions of moonstone and it appears that the one in cornelia's room is from france okay so the character of moonstone the my little pony was released in different poses depending on countries or series and we actually have a moonstone i don't know if she's in this particular pose or not Mm -hmm. but it was Um, it was like an early 2000s free issue it's not a 1980s original yeah it was a 2008 uh reproduction version of moonstone is she in the same pose now i'm curious uh yes she is it's very weird to see a actual mass-produced actual toy in this movie that's not a movie prop like the bz toys Mm. or the wooden old-timey fashion toys that santa and his elves make it's weird to see (laughs) this actual real world world toy in this movie Mm -hmm. now on her benches that are underneath all of her windows she has a lot of stuffed animals she has uh she has three but she has four big bunny rabbits And there's also a green stuffed animal behind her. And I think that it is a bunny rabbit, but I can't really tell. 
it could either be a bear with really big ears or it's a bunny. I can't. <laughs> I'm going to assume it it's a like rabbit a because all the other yeah. big stuffed animals on that bench in front of her bay windows are all big mm-hmm. plush rabbits. So she must love yes. rabbits. The pony is a hint that she loves horses because we see more horse figurines. I think they're like the briar horses. Yes. On a little set when, of shelves. Yeah, when Miss Tucker enters, we see a yeah. nice shot of that. Yeah. I think we got a glimpse of them earlier when Joe was in the room, maybe. Yes, I think so. And we also saw that on the other side of her bed, she has one of those giant ponies. You know, a ride on. Oh, that's pony. correct. Yes, I remember mentioning yeah. that. Now, in a little wicker chair... On the viewer's left-hand side of the screen, there mm-hmm. sits a little doll with, like, curly yarn hair. Looks like it might be wearing a bow. Has kind of, like, mm-hmm. black sunken eyes, almost like a Funko vinyl pop figure. A little red nose. But, but oval, oval eyes. Oval eyes, okay. A little tiny yeah. smile. A little oval red nose. And we cannot figure out what this is it's doubtful it is a movie prop made for this scene because everything else in the scene seems like they could have just gone out to a store and picked these up it doesn't look like the bz panda or one of those wooden ducks or something at the north pole that was made for the movie is it a homemade looking doll it looks more like a mass-produced doll yeah it looks like it's a mass-produced homemade looking doll you know what i mean and it looks so familiar we've looked up cabbage patch kids we've looked up mm-hmm. what were those things oh those little monkey type creatures with the curly hair moon chichis or something <laughs> moon chichis yeah it was like mon chichi yeah mon chichi that's right there was a there was yeah. a Hanna barbera cartoon in the 80s about them <laughs> yeah we've looked up a whole bunch we've looked up handmade cabbage patch dolls we've looked up different tv show muppet dolls and nothing quite matches what this is we asked 80s toy expert and former guest of the show jason duvall of toy world order he had no idea we've sent this image out to the christmas podcasters discord you would think anybody who would know 80s stuff would know this doll but we keep coming up to dead ends I thought no I I thought I was on the trail. I thought I had cracked the case with these, what were they, West Rim Mitzi dolls? Yes. Yep. These are like the plastic head and hands that you could buy in a craft store, and then you could fashion your own mm-hmm. body and make a homemade doll. But it looks like, when you look at the high-res version of this movie, it looks like this doll has a, a fabric head, a cloth head of some sort. So... so yeah we're at loss we need help so please go to our website and look at this picture of the doll that i i have the high-res version i've lightened it up a little bit so you can kind of see it a little better and please let us know if you know what this is because we have devoted probably hours at this point looking up what this doll could be and we cannot figure it out so we need help so before we exit the room like Cornelia does, is there anything else we need to point out? I know she has a big dollhouse. I feel like we've seen that before too, but I don't know if we've ever pointed it out. There's a big dollhouse behind Cornelia. Yeah, a big pink one. I don't I think we 
mentioned it before? I'm not really sure. Looks like she has a whole little vanity area set up on a little table in front of that dollhouse with a little mirror. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's the wicker mirror that goes with her bedroom set that has like a table. She has a very nice room. <laughs> I'm just going through this minute slow-mo. I noticed the pen rolls. Do you think that was intentional? <laughs> Before the north wind picks up the envelope. Oh, weird. How does it do that? That's a really nice touch because it indicates that the wind is blowing through the yeah. room a little bit. Because you can see those envelopes under that pen kind of moving too. Maybe it was just a simple like fan effect to make Maybe. things like move a little bit before the animation and special effects take over. Maybe. Yeah, I'm sure that letter's on a string and then they add the right. animation to the little pixie dust on it. <laughs> that envelope's not even sealed as it goes flying off of the desk. No, it's okay. Up. It doesn't need to be. Up the chimney it That's goes. Magic. Whoop. There it goes. All right. So I guess we're out of Cornelia's room now. It was quite convenient she had a fireplace <laughs> in her bedroom. <laughs> anyway, we are back at the North Pole. We see a reindeer with a thermometer in its mouth. This thermometer is shaped like, you know, like a crazy straw with a, like a little loop-de-loop -loop in the middle. And yeah. a little bulb on the end that just says the word flu. Yes. This reindeer has now, it in his mouth and we see the temperature liquid going through the loop-de-loop. -loop. And when it hits the end, it illuminates the little bulb at the end and it says flu. Like, ding! Yes. And before you go on and tell me more details about this, I just want to say I wish rapid COVID tests were as whimsical <laughs> as this. I know, I wouldn't mind taking them. <laughs> Just picture one that says COVID yeah. at the end, and it just lights up. Yeah. It would be great. I want one of those. Science needs to catch up with the magical North Pole. Now, on the commentary track, it was suggested that this was a little nod to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, mm -hmm. who could not appear in this movie because Rudolph is not public domain, if you can believe it. He, he's a fairly recent creation. So they couldn't use Rudolph in the movie, so to do a little wink to Rudolph, they had this little illuminated bulb here in this scene for the temperature. It's an abstract nod, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> so which which reindeer is this? Which reindeer is this? You're the reindeer master. So I believe the one with the thermometer in his mouth is Cupid, and the other one is Comet. Because when the camera pulls out, we can see that the reindeer with the thermometer is resting his head on the hindquarters of another reindeer. Yeah. And looking at them concerned are some familiar faces that we haven't seen in a few minutes. We've already seen Miss mm -hmm. Tucker back at Cornelia's house. And now we see Boog, Honka, and Vout. They all look yeah. very concerned. Just what I thought. And then the reindeer in the front sneezes. Honka pets that reindeer who just sneezed, like to comfort him. And then we haven't seen somebody we haven't seen in a few minutes. Ben, who is it? No, I'm not ready. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll cut that part out. Cut that. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got ahead. Before we move on to the next scene, I want to stay back here in the reindeer stables for a minute. If you look closely on this thermometer that's telling them that the reindeer have the flu, there is 
have, did you did you think about what they could use this for other than just the flu? Like, what if what if the reindeer were just a little sick, not super sick, just a <laughs> little sick? Well, this thermometer has a division halfway through the loop de loop here that says sniffle. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. So maybe they're not flu sick. Maybe they're just sniffle sick. Well, <laughs> they well that could be on the that could be on my COVID test too. Like you yeah. could put it in instead of saying something boring. Mm-hmm. It could say, "Oh, you yeah. just get the sniffles." You just get the sniffles. Now, as cute as that is, this the part that I'm going to read from the book now is is not so cheery. The reindeer had never been sick once <laughs> when Patch was taken care of. Them. Oh no! So these, oh these no! These these three sick. boobs have got the reindeer sick somehow. Yeah, it was, and but in the book it says that it was almost as if the general air of unhappiness around the village was becoming physical. Oh man, I don't think this I is. I don't think this downer. is Boog Honka and Vout's fault. I think we can pin the blame on the gentleman <laughs> that we haven't seen for a number of minutes. But before we see him in the movie, okay, you know who I'm going <laughs> to pin this blame on. I know, and it's totally fine. So, once they have seen the animals, right, the next scene you see Santa Claus sitting on a hearth. But in the book, Santa doesn't, it doesn't go straight from the reindeer to Dooley's office. While Vout, Boog, and Honka are taking care of the sick reindeer, Santa Claus was wandering alone through the now-empty toy tunnel his footsteps echoing his lantern, casting an eerie, lonely shadows on the bare shelves and walls. Standing alone in the scene of his former happiness, the place that had always symbolized everything he believed in, he found it sadly fitting to find the hall so empty. Sighing heavily, he turned and trudged back toward the high doors at the tunnel entrance, he still had to see Dooley today. His responsibilities refused to go away, no matter how he wished they would. He reached Dooley's office at last, and the chief elf tactfully made no comment about his lateness, and Santa sat down and began to thumb half-heartedly through the ledgers that Dooley set before him. I was I was getting concerned that he was going to walk by the reindeer stable and do a, oh, what's the point now, what? <laughs> no. I was like, oh, man, that would be ten times more depressing. But here is Santa again. I think this is the saddest, most depressed-looking Santa of the movie so far, and that is saying a lot. He is just staring down at the ground I, he could be staring at ledgers but we don't see him holding any ledgers he just yeah, has a anything. concerned look on his face a big frown on his face breathing heavily looking down towards the ground these elves should get this man some professional help it has been going on far too long and they're just trying to pretend like it's business as usual Mm-hmm. It's like, Santa, pull yourself together, man. I know you will shortly, but... Uh. It's been a year. So he's like... Oh. 
and he's just staring off into nothing. He kind of glances over with that sad puppy dog look over to Dooley. Meanwhile, Dooley is just going on and on about the preparations for this upcoming Christmas, which in the timeline would be the Christmas of 1985. Right. We hear Dooley say, I think we should prepare the first shipments of Pinewood as early as April this time so we don't run short. Don't you agree, Santa? So there is a lot to unpack in that one line, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let, let's go through this. Let's put sad sack Santa off to the side for now. <laughs> okay. Santa, Santa, you can be a downer in your corner. <laughs> so prepare the first shipments of pine wood. Mm-hmm. Now, would these be shipments of pine wood that the elves themselves are preparing or that they are getting from an outside source? You know, they can't just call up Home Depot and get wood. So could this be an addition to the Santa extended universe? Could these be like forest gnomes who provide them with wood? Maybe, perhaps? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know where they would get these shipments from. Uh they don't have money. <laughs> that's true. You know? Yeah, that's why I said there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Here. So I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe there are uh, a branch of elves. You know, I mean, we the um, the ancient one, right? He came from another location with his elves at his side. So there have got to be more than just this one elf village. There's got to be villages all over. Well, I didn't so even maybe... think about that. I always assumed that the ancient one was there on property someplace at the compound, or he just magically materialized, because we never see him before or after. Right. But yeah, having him being from another elf village mm-hmm. would be something. Oh, interesting. So, like, maybe they have different elf villages that provide different services, and the elves just kind of, like, trade, you know? And we've come to the conclusion that this universe includes other myth- mythical creatures. They've kind of hinted at the right. existence of fairies, and by extension, the tooth fairy in this universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I... The I, tooth fairy would get money. <laughs> no, the tooth fairy... <laughs> He gives money. She doesn't get money. Where does the Tooth Fairy get money from? Maybe in this universe, Santa uh, licenses out his likeness to, like, Coca-Cola and such. They could. They could, yeah. That's a possibility, I suppose. But, yeah, I don't know where they get... I don't know. There could be many, many things where this wood could come from. They also need people to make paint, right? Because I know they just use the primary colors, and I know you can make the primary colors of paint out of different, like, uh, different plants and vegetables and whatnot. But they're in the North Pole. Not a lot grows there. So they have to get that shipped in as well, I would think. So maybe there's another elf village that does, like, paint stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's one little throwaway line. Mm -hmm. Opens up a whole can of worms. Yeah. 
where where do they get the supplies? They have to prepare for this pretty early on. Right. And do you think the And I would think April would be kind of late. And they must have run short in the past because Dooley says right. so we don't run short on this wood. Right. So when did they run out of toys? <laughs> There's a lot of questions in this one. Maybe Dooley is so on top of things he can tell. Like, we don't Maybe. want to run short. We never want that to happen. Maybe. He's like, there's been, you know, one million more babies come into the world this year. We need to uh, make so many more toys. Because in this universe, Santa pretty much, if it's not... Let me start again. Because in this movie's universe, Santa pretty much only exclusively distributes wooden toys, even here in the 1980s. Well, we we don't yes. see anything plastic. We see some, I think we see some dolls, but mostly it's exclusively wood. Well, that toy piano. Well, that would be that wood. That wasn't a wood piano, yeah, that would was be it? Wood, I think so. Just something to think about. Do you think the call-out to Pinewood by Dooley was a little wink reference to Pinewood Studios, be. where this movie was filmed? Yeah, it could be, for sure. So, back to Santa. He sadly glances up at Dooley. Dooley isn't really paying much of attention to Santa. He's kind of just going on and on. I think Dooley. I think, I think Dooley is done with the press Santa <laughs> at this point. I think so. It's like we've been trying to cheer you up for a year. Mm-hmm. If you want to be like this, fine. I'm done. We have toys to work on, so. If you we'll want to mope care. around the house, fine. So be it. <laughs> We're already talking with the ancient one about maybe getting a Santa Claus in place. <laughs> So when somebody's had enough of being Santa, which seems to be which seems to be the plot of the upcoming Disney Plus Tim Allen Santa Claus limited series, yeah, we have something to fall back on. So all the Santa movies are being pieced together. What do you think? In Mm -hmm. my head, anyway. Yeah, that'll be another (laughs) podcast episode in itself. It's like ancient one when a Santa has been doing this for as long as our Santa has. And he falls into a year-long dark depression where he clearly, his heart's not in it anymore. Can we get a new Santa? <laughs> could we make a clause that could get him out of being Santa? A Santa clause, if you would. <laughs> now, to be, uh, now, to be <laughs> fair, at the beginning of this, Anya had stated that as time went on that the days were like hours and the years were like days so if it's only been one year in their mind it's been like one day right i don't remember this line i I, have i totally blanked it out you must have i don't remember this line (laughs) being uttered by anya was it in the book yeah yeah oh okay i guess (laughs) you don't remember it no (laughs) 
we probably talked about 25 minutes about it, but I, I, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> so maybe just because they've been there so long, this one year to us is like, oh my gosh, come on, you know, get a grip. But to them, it could be like it was just yesterday. But Claus needs some help. Yes, they need a therapist there at they, the North they Pole. They should have an elf therapist on site, I think. This would have solved all of the problems to begin with. Because Dooley does say, do you agree, Santa? And Santa does like a meek little hand gesture like, I don't give a... <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. Dooley, I don't care. What's the point? Nobody likes Santa anymore. (laughs) Take a vacation, then see how much they don't like you. Take a year off, go to the Bahamas, go snorkeling for a year, and then listen to all the kids complaining that they didn't get any Santa presents, and then you'll be right back where you were at the beginning, where they all love you when you come back. Boom. Problem solved. (laughs) I am so glad that Lithgow and Dudley Moore gave it their all in their performances mm-hmm. because this movie would have been absolutely unbearable if the side <laughs> characters weren't interested and Santa was just moping around for yeah. the hour mark onward to the end of the movie. Very true. Very true. <laughs> like, come on, Santa. And, and of course, it's torture to us because we're breaking it down like we are. But mm-hmm. even in real time, it's like, oh, man, you're looking at your watch. It's like, oh, man, when's the last time we've seen Happy Santa? And the thing is, though, when you're just watching it, you know, as a as a casual viewer, you don't really realize how much time has elapsed in the movie. Yes. <laughs> you know, you don't really think about how this is like three years of, of Christmases. You know, it, it's in the movie you just kind of think like it's all just a christmas you know it doesn't it doesn't really hit you that it's been so much time when you're just casually viewing it and even at the beginning like man that was a thousand years (laughs) yeah yeah only people as crazy as we are to break it down like we're breaking it down (laughs) realize like oh man this movie covers a lot of time it does. They they squeezed a lot lot into this movie. Maybe too much, but we'll get to that when we break everything down at the end in a recap. Mm-hmm. Santa looks like he's in pain. He's like... Ugh. Well, I just said that it was like the unhappiness of the village was becoming physical. That he is true. He probably is in pain. Yeah, maybe he's losing like that Christmas magic, that old spark, sparkle in his eyes sort of thing. I mean, he he's severely depressed, and depression can present itself in physical pain. I, yeah, this is so a, he could be physically just not feeling very good. This is no joke. These elves need to get him some help. Yeah, they do. It's not it's not something they should take lightly. You should get him some help and get him to to uh, realize what's going on here. So we do see a few items on Dooley's desk over here. Yes. Including a model. What does it looks like on my screen? 
like some sort of futuristic RV. What do you think this is? <laughs> oh, I thought it was a I thought it was a train. It looks like a very modern train. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of like an Amtrak bullet train. I mean, this is in the 1980s, yeah, right? Yeah, it when does have like kind of a bullet... mo monorail look to it, but it also looks like it has wheels. Yeah. Well, that's why I was thinking like, well, is the is the bullet train a monorail? It kind of looks like an Amtrak train to me. And it looks like it was freshly carved, you know? It looks like it was a new That's probably like another like more modern or something. That's probably like another new modern toy design that they tried to whip up to cheer up Santa. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've seen it before. No, in previous shots of Dooley's workroom, we saw like a like a space shuttle carving, yeah. but I don't that does not look like a space shuttle. No, it does not. Now, on the high-definition version, behind Dooley is the giant book of all the children's names. Can you make out anything in the high-definition version? No. Oh, man. Yeah, it's too hard to, to see. Well, hopefully something soon happens to snap Santa out of his funk. Do you think something will happen? I bet something will happen because we know what's coming. If you listen to the la to uh, <laughs> anything that we've talked about, we know what's coming. Oh, thankfully, thankfully. <laughs> I don't think Santa or the North Pole would have survived if uh, they had to go another year like this. Yeah, I don't think this so. would have been a very, very sad ending to the movie. <laughs> Though it is kind of fun that back in minute, I was just kind of looking at other minutes to see if that train was on the desk at previous times uh -huh. um back in minute 35 this list of children's names was only halfway through that um that left hand page and you can kind of assume that this book has been a couple pages but this page is all the way down to the bottom so it is good that it's, like, changed the amount of children's names on it throughout the movie. There was an amazing amount of attention to detail in this movie. We've mm -hmm. goofed on it a lot when they kind of missed the mark, but the amount of detail in this movie is just mind-blowing sometimes. It is. It's so subtle. And yeah, it's just amazing. When we read the credits here in a few minutes, when the credits <laughs> roll, we'll have to see if there's like, was like a set designer we can yeah. give a shout out to. They did an amazing job, that's for sure. I know we gave you a lot of guff for that Coca-Cola can earlier, but <laughs> overall, like just the amount of detail in these backgrounds, just in this minute alone, mm -hmm. has been so impressive. Yep. So I guess I don't have anything else to say. I'm all I'm all out of stuff. Me too. There's just so much going on in this minute. It was a roller coaster of a minute. And so many characters. Mm. We saw Grizzard. We saw Joe. We saw two reindeer. Boog, Honka, Patch, Cornelia, Miss Tucker, Dooley, and Santa himself. Mm-hmm. If they'd only figured out a way to squeeze BZ and Towser, this would have been the most character-packed minute of the movie, I think. That's true. 
Well, if we were only if we only did you know ten seconds in either direction, we would have had them. That is that is true. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go to wrap up our supersized minute number ninety three. If you have anything else, who would have else? thought that a random minute in the nineties would have been so long? Well, you never know. We we got some good ones coming up too. <laughs> if you can think of anything that we managed not to talk about. In this minute, maybe some leads on the mystery creepy doll. Be sure mm-hmm. to email us, SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. Also check out our social medias. At Santa Minute on... Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, we can listen to any of those episodes... For free!